text of these readings can be followed in the Bibles beside you on page 1142, 1142. And I'm reading from Romans chapter 15, beginning at verse 23. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, I since have been longing for many years to see you. I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them in their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, that by the love of the Spirit, you join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem may pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there. So that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. And so the second reading is taken from chapter 28 of Acts, and that's verses 11 through to uh, 30, uh, which is pages 1,126 into 1,127 in church Bibles and comprises the final closing uh, verses of, of the book of Acts. Paul's arrival at Rome. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with a figurehead of the two gods, Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we, we reached Petoli. There we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers there had heard that we were coming, and they travelled as far as the Forum of Apius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself, with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the leaders of the Jews. 
When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing wrong against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had any charge to bring against my own people. For this reason, I've asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I'm bound with this chain. They replied, We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of the brothers who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning till evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed amongst themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know, God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of our Lord. So we can tell from these readings that for Paul, the scope of the mission that Christ had given to him was nowhere near complete. The gospel of Jesus hadn't yet reached the center of the Roman Empire, the throne of Caesar, the power at the heart of the Roman world. So Paul willingly accompanies his captors for the chance to preach to this most powerful man in the world. He didn't know if the emperor would respond positively to his preaching of the gospel, to his sharing of his faith. Some people did, and some people didn't. But what he did know was that he, Paul, was duty-bound, was compelled by the gospel to give even this man, this hell-bent persecutor of Christians, the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins through the sacrifice of Jesus on a Roman cross, to hear that news and to believe. But as we heard in our first reading, the gospel not only hadn't reached here, the center of the Roman world, it also hadn't reached the edges of the Roman Empire, the periphery. West, 
Spain lay to the very west of the Roman world. And it was on his way there that, um, that Paul had planned to stop in, in Rome. And if he had gone and planted churches over in the west, it would soon have occurred to him that there was also, to the north, Gaul and Germany and far off and dismally cold Britain. And of course then, over to the east, were Parthia and Persia and Scythia and India and China of mystery, the land of spices that nobody had ever seen. And to the south, Egypt, Nabatea, Ethiopia, and the lands of gold and Ophir beyond. The scope of Paul's call to plant new churches across the Roman world could never be over until all the nations had heard the gospel and church planting had filled the gaps in between in, in all the imprecise Roman map of all the known communities of the world. Until, as Isaiah had put it so many hundreds of years before, the islands and the ends of the earth had understood that the Lord is first and last, had seen it and trembled. So Paul gave his whole life to preaching to individuals, to planting and teaching new churches so that they could then preach to others that he couldn't reach. His mission finally took him to Rome, where Christians that he had never yet met, to whom he hadn't preached the gospel, encouraged him and received from him the baton of mission. And the church that followed, congregations that Paul had planted and others which he hadn't planted, continued to preach the gospel in Spain, in Gaul and Germany and Britain, in India and China, in, uh, in Ethiopia and Egypt. And beyond that, to countries and continents that Paul had never heard of. Which direction? South to uh, Central and Southern Africa. West to North America and South America. North to Scotland and the Picts and beyond. East to Indonesia and Russia and Australia and the ends of the world. And the church discovered that preaching to new regions and peoples and tribes wasn't enough because God has no grandchildren. So the church needed to preach to the new generation not yet born, to children and grandchildren, endlessly reaching new generations and new cultures. The worldwide mission which Christ asked Paul to launch to all peoples and nations, is still unfinished. It will never be finished until Christ returns again and calls us all before his judgment throne and reveals to us his new creation, his new heaven and his new earth. God is unwilling that any should be denied the opportunity to hear his gospel, to repent and believe. And so he continues to call us, his church, to continue in our day the worldwide mission that he began in Paul's. 
On Thursday here, I had the privilege of um, leading uh, the funeral for Trevor Head. 30 years ago, Trevor was church warden here. You probably would have used one of those church warden staves up uh, by the doors there. And during his time as church warden, so that's, uh, that's the, uh, the non-clergy leader of the church, sharing with, the, um, with whoever was vicar, uh, he and his fellow church warden, who I think was Alex Hill, they um, chose, appointed um, my predecessor and my training incumbent, John Byrne. And so I think with gratitude for Trevor and his ministry amongst us 30 years ago and through the course of 60 years as a member of this congregation. And as I think of the number of people who have been church wardens since then, quite a few of whom are sitting amongst us this morning, and as I think of my own ministry here, following on from his vicars, uh, Don Churchman and Tony Turner and John Byrne, I'm so grateful for those who have gone before me, those whose ministry I have received and built upon. And I'm also so grateful for those who will come after me, to whom I will hand on the baton of faith and ministry. Each of us receiving from those who came before us, our predecessors, building on their work, giving of our utmost to Christ in our day, and then handing on to our successors. For them, in turn, to build on our labors and our advances. So there are two obvious applications to this, um, this understanding that the mission that Paul had set himself to plant the church of Christ across the known world was not yet finished when he came to the climactic moment of his life. And the first is that right here in South Sea, we too are part of Paul's unfinished mission for Christ. Our vision is to see I haven't got it up behind me. Our vision is one day we'll have it up there. Our vision is to see Jesus' love transforming lives from here in the heart of, of South Sea. Amen. To worship our Heavenly Father together, inspiring one another in worship and praise. To follow Jesus as our Savior and Lord wherever he may lead. To care for one another. To minister to and to serve the people in the community around us, and to witness to Jesus in personal testimony, in the impact of our church upon the community, and in planting new churches. Fran and his team are fulfilling that vision of ours at St. Margaret's as they build their own vision to serve their community around them. And we're doing the same here at St. Jude's. So the first application for us is that we need to throw ourselves into this vision that Jesus has given us, which is part of the ongoing vision of the church throughout all the generations, from Paul's time to this day and on into the future. So where you see the opportunities to encourage one another to draw closer to our Heavenly Father in worship, to care for one another, to share one another's needs, 
to bless one another. Where you see the opportunities to teach one another, to be accountable to each other, to draw each other on and strengthen each other in, in faith. Where you see the opportunities, like uh, we've been hearing this morning, to minister, to serve the people of this community, like those who live without homes on our streets. Where you have the opportunities in your own lives to share your faith with those you know and those you don't know. Where you have the opportunity to join together, to invite friends to come to Funday Sunday or come and see next week. Where you have the opportunity to support Fran and his team in church planting and new church plants that might, uh, the opportunities might come before us in the future. Throw yourselves in and remember you are part of an ongoing, centuries old, worldwide mission of Jesus to share his gospel of his son Jesus to every person in the world. And secondly, just remember that our vision is to see Jesus' love transforming lives excuse me, <coughs> from the heart of South Sea out to Portsmouth and Hampshire and the UK and Europe and to the ends of the earth. And who knows what flexibility of mind, what courage, what readiness Jesus will require of you to grasp the opportunity that he gives you possibly in an unexpected guise to come to the climactic moment of your life's vision and to share your faith with the one person that Jesus had designed your life to bring you to? Will it be at work? Will it be at home? Will it be in another city? Will it be overseas? Jesus is leading you forward step by step and he will go with you wherever he takes you, wherever it may be. If you can find the courage, like Paul, to go with him. Well, as I said a few weeks ago, we don't have to stop here. It was the Holy Spirit's vision through St. Paul that the church should keep replanting it in new locations and in new generations. And the Holy Spirit's vision hasn't changed. He is still creating opportunities for us today. So let's go on investing in our church planting, in our mission partners across the world, and in our, church, in our uh, children and youth and families ministry and our mission to the next generation. Let us, as Alex finished, like Paul, boldly and without hindrance, preach the kingdom of God and teach about the Lord Jesus Christ. His name be praised forever. Amen.